It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, and welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network, a family of Auburn athletics podcasts. We come to you today after a tough loss to Florida, and we know you need some consoling, so I'm joined today with Drew Hooper from Stoppage Chime to help you work through this game. Drew, after last night, man, how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm in recovery like most Auburn fans are today. It wasn't the best showing, but I, it wasn't the worst showing, I, I would say. I mean, we let's be realistic. Florida, I, I think we all came in thinking they're not as good as they were, but they pretty good defense, pretty stout defense. So some good, some bad, some trying to find silver lining and things going into uh, bye week, and then ultimately Arkansas where hopefully we – Removed the Arkansas Razorbacks from the SEC. We beat them so badly. <laughs> I uh, man, I hope we can have a good buy and rebound after this. But uh, we do have to break this thing down. Before we do, I wanted to give you a second to plug Stoppage Time because you guys are doing a great job over there. Yeah, Stoppage Time. Uh, Peter Green and I, we have a lot of fun. We talk a lot of soccer. We try and educate you all on what soccer is because. You know, you Americans, and I say that as if I'm not American, <laughs> don't really know the most about soccer. But Auburn's got a really good program, really good team. Uh, just excited that we're able to cover that because we've been there during really a historic stretch of Auburn soccer. And so it's really fun. You will catch us on Tuesdays is when our episodes come out. And we're in the thick of SEC play right now and actually up there in the top three for SEC um, standings right now coming into about five or six games left in the season. So pretty good season so far. Yeah, definitely. So if anyone's feeling, you know, a little discouraged about American football, you can go see the Auburn performance for European football or soccer, as we call it in the States. And definitely uh, check out Drew and Peter on there to uh, uplift you on some of the other sports that we have going on within Auburn athletics. However, we want to be really positive about football as well. You know, coming into this point, five and one, I feel is still really, really good. Uh, I have to shout out props to AJ for calling this out preseason. He had a bad feeling about Florida. I thought Florida was a joke. And, you know, Drew, I have to ask you this question, man. If I had told you that our defense would hold Florida to 32 yards rushing in the first half, force and recover four fumbles during the game, have four sacks, seven tackles for loss, and that dumb, dumb old Dan Mullen <laughs> in a pure moment of desperation would call for a fake punt on a fourth and three on his own 30. How would you have told me this game would turn out? Uh, I would have told you like every Auburn fan and every just football person in general, that Auburn slaughtered him yeah. because that's literally almost a repeat of what we did to Mississippi state to start off the game. And I, I don't even know Mississippi state still has a football program at that point, man, but our, our defensive <sighs> stats were better in this game than they were against state yeah. fail state. We, we 
we outperformed the way we did to shut that team down. Ben, we literally talked about being positive before we started this, and you're making this hard already. Hey, just no, to talk that's about. positive. We we defensively were very positive in this game. <laughs> but old dirty damn Mullen got a win on us, and that's like that, that, that's like the worst to me. I I just don't like Dan Mullen. I completely agree. And uh, if you guys want to go check it out, we also have an open letter to Dan Mullen requesting an apology for his quote-unquote dirty play statement at halftime where he accused Marlon Davidson of of attacking Kyle Trask after the play was dead when, in fact, he was being held and forced into Kyle Trask while he was being pulled down. So uh, still looking for that from uh, from Dirty Dan, and uh, maybe hopefully we'll get some traction from that. But you're right. You're right. Getting a, a loss to Dan Mullen is is a tough one to bite. But, I mean, it happened. Like, it... And it it wasn't that Florida beat us <laughs> because the defense owned the game. But oh, man, yeah. Uh, yeah it, Florida didn't beat us. I, I will have to say that. I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, we had every opportunity. And Florida, on the other hand, wasn't great either. I mean, it was who is going to just not perform more. And <laughs> it just happened to be us that day. It almost felt like that. Uh, rough, sloppy game. Uh, eight total turnovers. Four University of Florida fumbles, three Auburn interceptions, and then a muffed punt, which was just really, really weird. Uh, however, I'll say something for the Swamp. Uh, from every tweet that I read and just watching the telecast, the crowd noise was a serious factor, man. Like, it was loud down there. It was, and I mean, Gus talked about before the game that they've been working on crowd noise since fall practice began, and I always laugh at that. Because you can pipe in as much crowd noise as you want, but there's just something about the pageantry that comes with these SEC schools. You add the band in, you add the fans going at it with the the fight song and all the things that, that are unique to that university. And the swamp on game day and Florida being ranked again. I mean, that's just that's a hard place to play. Florida's always been a difficult place to play, but... Uh, that just had to have been something else because middle afternoon too, and still Florida heat. Uh, I can't imagine how that was, especially from Bo Nix's point of view, being a freshman quarterback uh, going in there. Yeah, it it was something where we definitely could have made it a little bit easier on Bo. Like the, the first play out of the gate, they have a guy completely untouched running after Bo Nix, and he has to throw the ball into the dirt first play. The the first drive is a three and out. Then Florida has that ridiculous uh, blown coverage play. It from the get go in this game, I was so confident going into this, and uh, I I trash talked a ton of people at work, <laughs> and because uh, I know a lot of Florida guys. And then after that that first drive from us and the first drive from Florida, I was like, this is not what I expected to see today. Um, it's funny because I had to. Uh, to congratulate some of the guys after the game, go ahead and get a get ahead of myself and start eating crow. And one of them responded and said, uh, "Thank you, sir. It was a well played game by two teams who are clearly in the top ten, <laughs> which I thought was just a fantastic response because, you know, in all honesty, Florida performed the way I expected them to. They looked like they did against Miami. They they are a sloppy team." Yeah, offense isn't great for them, and their defense is legit. I, I think we both can concede their defense is really good. They got a, a lot of injury 
people who've been injured back, especially in the secondary. And they're legit on that defensive side. Those sacks and them being up there in the sack leaders in college football isn't a fluke at all. I, I think they showed that. But their offense is pedestrian at best. And so I think Florida performed, like you said, exactly how I thought they were going to as well. Not impressive, but not bad. Yeah. So uh, we need to break down the three facets of the game. And uh, I guess we'll start with the offense in this situation. So. It was a a tough day for the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Holistically, Auburn gained 254 yards, uh, 145 passing, 109 rushing. Uh, We had a touchdown and two field goals. And if you look at the performance from the quarterback, uh, it it was a tough day for Bo. I mean, this was really the first game where he looked like a true freshman and Part of that is because of the environment. I think the environment was was really big, but also part of it was the game plan. You know, honestly, going into this, I was expecting us to do like we did with A&M. We throw the ball out in the flat, spread it out, get to the corners, and run it. But instead, we decided to pass on the first down for the first, you know, three drives or more. Uh, Anytime we tried to run the ball, it was straight up the middle, and we weren't getting really any push until, you know, we made some adjustments in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, we forced Bo Nix into a lot of really difficult situations. On the day, he was 11 for 27, 145 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, and 18 yards on the ground for 10 carries. So, uh, you know, how do you feel about quarterback performance in this type of environment? And uh, I'm not going to say, you know, that, look, I love Gus Malzahn, right? But how do you think we could have done a little bit differently? to have a little bit better of a result. I I think it's, I think it's really actually coming out the way we played A&M. Uh, we threw the ball against A&M, but we came out and really committed to the run. And I think for a freshman quarterback, that's the biggest thing you need to do is commit to the run and then put him in high percentage situations because working from third and 11 or third and eight, long distance downs is always going to be difficult especially for a freshman quarterback. And so I I think the game plan could have been critiqued. There's some errors on Gus's part that we stuck to some things for too long. There's some error on Bo's part because this actually wasn't what we've seen from him so far. He he had been getting better and he he looked rattled the, the entire game. And he looked not as confident, I guess, because we had a lot of false starts and a lot of that was due to walking up to the line, taking too long to get up to the line of scrimmage and call the play. And ultimately, on some of the claps, as far as getting the ball off, he he hesitated. I, I remember there's two instances where I saw him hesitate on his clap and caught the lineman off guard. So there's just some things to that Bo can work on as far as being committed to what you're doing. Because if it's a bad play, it's a bad play, but you still got to run it sometimes. And I don't know. There just seemed to be caught in between two minds, both for Gus and for Bo Nix the whole day. Hmm. No, that's a good call. Uh, that was really odd. You know, when Gus was saying that, like you had already mentioned, that we've been practicing with field noise for so long, I truly believed it. And with the way that we performed against Texas A&M, I honestly did not think that the field noise would be a factor. But it, it clearly was. And I don't know what we can do differently within like the Auburn 
uh, athletics facilities to make it a little bit uh, more deafening, I guess, so that we have those plays where we're not necessarily hesitating on, you know, a clap count or something like that. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit difficult whole overall. And then when you say the third and longs, there definitely were some instances where that occurred, but we also had a lot of really, really, uh, short third down conversions we could have easily made if we could have gotten any type of push or had a game plan for that short yardage. Uh, at one point in time, we had a third and one that we didn't convert, then a third and three, a third and two, and another third and one. And I was really scratching my head wondering, one, why are we going to the shotgun for these things? And two, like, where's the play call for either a wildcat with Booby directly or bring in some Joey Gatewood? And where was the pace? Because normally on those certain ones, yeah, Auburn struggles to get that push like you like we saw yesterday. But that's whenever we realize we're in that third and short situation, get up in sugar huddle or something like that and just pound it real quick before the defense can get set up. And Absolutely. I, there, there was just no pace or no – there was a lot of subbing or substitute packages all day yesterday. It was just – we were – we, we we just got to commit to it basically is my thought coming out of the game yesterday was just go for go for it if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you can't get caught up in second guessing yourself or constantly going against what your nature is and i think that was a lot of the play calling yesterday yeah it uh it it was a little bit different and it's funny because you know as we progress throughout this season i've loved the gus play calling uh, I, I definitely see progression game after game. I see where he adds a new wrinkle here and there. And, you know, he definitely had a few plays. Like, the plays were there in a lot of situations. But also, it felt it felt different in a way. And uh, I, I don't know if it was necessarily the, the fact that we couldn't get a rush game going. Like, there was hardly any running in the first half. Uh, held us to, I want to say it was 35 yards in the first half. I uh I don't know if it was because of the noise or because of, you know, trying to focus more on the past or not thrown out to the flats and more deep. I I'm I'm I can't put my finger on it, but the progression that we saw, I feel like the play calling may have taken a slight step back in this game and I'm trying to be positive, but I, it, it, the blame's got to go somewhere unfortunately. And I I feel like that's where I'm throwing it. Yeah, play calling was weird. Weird from the get-go. I we're just not a first down throwing team. And I think a lot of those third and ones get help because if we would establish the run, I don't think we get into those spots mm -hmm. uh, as far as the, because then they have to stay honest. They have to believe, you know, they may pop one over the top or something like that. There's definitely some missed throws as well. Uh, I actually don't think the, the running backs did poorly yesterday. They hit their holes whenever they're there. I think you, you can probably put a lot of blame on the offensive line and the play calling and play adjustments really throughout the game, I think were the two biggest things I saw. Yeah. So um, we'll touch a little bit on running back now. Uh, overall, an okay day. Uh, 124 yards on 34 carries uh, with four rushers and no touchdowns. The longest play was 16 yards by Booby. Uh, but if you look at the first half versus the second half, I mean, 35 yards and then... In the second half, we had some some good running at times, but it still wasn't consistent. It wasn't, you know, typical Auburn football that we've been used to in the past or even from this year. Uh, Booby overall had 18 attempts for 81 yards. Cam Norton, five attempts for 29 yards. 
We only got Anthony Schwartz the ball once uh, for negative four yards. Sean Shivers didn't touch it. Uh, and that was actually uh, the call out as one of our players to watch this past week. Uh, neither Eli Stove and Malik Miller, while he caught some passes, didn't didn't run the ball either. So, you know, last week when we played Mississippi State, we had nine guys that touched the ball uh, and that recorded carries. And this week we had four, including Bo Nix, who, you know, while he had 18 yards, he he also had some really negative plays. So uh, it uh, it was it was a, a different type of day for the the rushing attack for sure. Yeah, I th- I think it was. I would like to see your boy the unicorn get a few more carries. I thought he did well in and his first half performances. He did like, and in all honesty, his first carry was for six yards. And I was like, "Look, man, if you want to keep carrying for six yards every time, you can grow your horn today." And he, you know, <laughs> after that, had the next play that we ran, and same play for whatever reason, right at the middle, and it was for one yard. And then on a third down. Uh, didn't didn't uh, convert, and then a, th- a third and three, where we got a negative play, and then had to punt again. And I was just scratching my head after that. Uh, Cam Martin had his long of the day was 15 yards, and he was banished to the tundra after that. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I would I would love to see Cam Martin, you know, get in there and in his senior year grow his horn and become that unicorn that we all know he can be. But definitely didn't happen yesterday. I I do have one question, if I'm permitted on. Uh, no huddle to ask questions. No, absolutely, man. That's I th- why I, you're here. I wonder if anyone on our staff has ever seen Wes Welker play. Uh, just watched any film because it really confuses me of why our offensive line struggles. We struggle to establish the run sometimes, and we have all these deep bombs and everything. I know we we're talking about running backs, but I, I'm sitting here looking at our notes, and Will Hastings is always someone who jumps out at me of why we're not just putting him on a little curl right in the middle of the field every time. Or yep. just a little in route, get five yards, make make that that pressure back off of us a little bit. That that was one thing I was talking to Peter about yesterday is, you know, Will Hastings needs to get in that game, get in the slot, get just right there in the middle of the field. Uh, that's how Florida killed us, and I don't know why we're not killing other people the same way. Well, exactly. I mean, that you bring up a great point because we ran some slants last week, and we ran some slants against A&M, and we didn't really run any this time. If anything, it was out to uh, you know a corner route or like a long deep ball or something like that, or like a a crossing way way deep in the back of the end zone where you have to throw over some guys' heads. Like it, we don't seem to go after the easy pass, and I think that was part of the criticism of you know putting Bo in some of these difficult situations. We we didn't really give him an easy completion in a lot of these cases. Of course, there were a couple that you know probably should have been made that. He missed on, and that was, you know, not something we have seen this season. He's very, very spot on typically. Uh, Definitely environment affected his accuracy in some cases. But in the overall, you know, like what you're saying, either do a quick dump route or like a a quick curl or even get some guys out in the flats and spread the field. Make Florida come and, and tackle us in open space, which we really didn't force them to do much. And if you see some of the big plays that we you know, allowed Florida to make that one big pass play for 64 yards is because of mismatch and then an open field tackle that was missed. Same thing with the the 88-yard running play where it was a missed tackle and then no no open field tackle that was made there. That, that was something that we didn't really challenge Florida's defense to do was 
hit us in the open field. It was always, you know, either run right at the middle or right around the corner, or it was, you know, have one of these really deep passes. Yeah, I'm going to blame our defense on that one because they have to practice against them every day, and we're so good I mean, minus two plays this game, but we're really good at tackling the open field. Maybe they just don't think those plays work because they're getting tackled in the open field all the time when they face our defense during practice. But, I mean, other teams don't tackle as well as Kevin Steele defenses tackle. So I I would like to see us getting out in the flat more, like you said. No, that is very true. And maybe, maybe having one of the best defenses in the country has been a disadvantage for some of the coaching and play calling just because of, uh, you know, how well we typically tackle, it's, unless you have like a mismatch, which is the case that happened in some of our blown plays. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver-wise, once again, not, not too many guys recorded stats just because, you know, we only had 11 catches for 145 yards and a receiving touchdown. Seth Williams still came to play, man. Uh, four catches for 79 yards and a receiving touchdown, the lone touchdown of the day by the Armored Tigers. Uh, his long was for 46. <sighs> and... In all honesty, on that on that play, he, if he hadn't been slightly overthrown, could have taken that for a touchdown as well. Yeah, you hate looking back on those, don't you? Because that's <laughs> that's a game changer. Definitely like, so. In, in every sense of the word, or every sense of fashion, because what did we end up doing on that drive? We didn't. That was the one where we got back all the way up. That was where we threw an interception. Yeah, we threw an interception because we missed him on a slant as well. Yep. Oh, gosh. Missed him on that, a slant. That's a rough to... one. Tried to hit Canela in the end zone. Yeah, it uh, it in all honesty, Auburn played good enough to win in this game. Yeah, you they know? did. And wide receivers were open. A That's lot. true. They were uh some a, a couple poor passes by a true freshman quarterback. Let's mm-hmm. let's say that again. Like Bo Nix has been a hero this year in the first five games, looking like you know a redshirt senior. And in this game, he was uncomfortable in a few. In a few situations, I guess we can say that. Uh, and look at it, his inexperience in some of these really, really loud and difficult environments came to fruition this game, and that's fine. You know, you expect him to miss a couple, a couple passes here and there. Uh, just to recover the the last of the stats, Malik Miller with two catches for twenty two yards, Eli Stove two catches for fourteen yards, Will Hastings, Sal Canilla, and J.J. Wilson. Uh, each recorded a catch, uh, and Anthony Schwartz didn't didn't catch a ball, and neither did Booby, even though they were targeted twice. Uh, Will Hastings near the end of the game, uh, we we really didn't utilize him as much, and you brought up him a, a few minutes ago, and once we did, he was getting way overthrown, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't know if that was a product because of you know the interception of Sal Canilla being in Bo Nix's mind where he's like, I need to throw it high to where only my guy can get it or what. Uh, but it was, it was some odd, just, it was just an odd offensive day. It was. And I mean, like you said, I don't know whether it got to his head of, Oh, I missed my Yeti of like a six, two tight end in the end zone. I need to throw it high all the time. And didn't realize he's throwing to the Keebler elf out there in the flat. <laughs> so he's got to rein it in a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just see Schwartz and, Will Hastings as perfect slot guys, like just mismatch galore, get, get them in space, almost like a Percy Harvin type back in the day or a Wes Welker or a Stefan Diggs or something like that. Just get them the ball uh, because they're always something good always happens when Will Hastings touches the ball or he yep. gets concussed. One of the two. 
<laughs> well, that's because of uh, targeting. So hopefully that doesn't happen too much anymore. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Schwartz, one of the fastest men in college football, and we we're unable to get him the ball just to make a play. And uh, uh, a little disappointing, but I, I, I don't want to be any more negative. I apologize if I have been, but I think this is a, a good time for us to kind of dissect the offensive play and, you know, try to console each other. And we'll definitely touch base uh, when we look ahead to the next few games uh, where we can improve. But one area where we don't need to improve and where we just played lights out was our defense. So, uh, you know, we had said this a little bit earlier at the intro, but uh, held Florida to 32 yards rushing in the first half, only had that one blown play. Uh, in all honesty, if it wasn't for two two blown plays with this defense, they would have been perfect. 64-yard uh, pass that was just a mismatch. That went for a touchdown, and then that, that one run that was 88 yards that actually made them look like they had a decent day, even though they did not. Uh, four sacks on the day, seven tackles for losses, four forced fumbles that were recovered, uh, two by K.J. Britt, one by Derek Brown, one by Christian Tutt. Uh, Derek Brown even almost had the big man touchdown. Like, this defense came out on fire, and they did not let up the entire game. Yeah, they they did well with adjustments. I mean, you saw, like you mentioned, we get burned on the linebacker on Swain there at the beginning. Like it happens. They were they're not perfect, but they are easily top five in the nation defensively, and you don't see that happen again. Uh, you, yep. you see them make plays the rest of the day. You see KJ Britt play with a little animosity the rest of the day, get two forced fumbles. You hate that Derek Brown's shadow caught up with him. <laughs> but, I mean, what more are you going to ask for from this defense? Because up until late into the fourth quarter, Florida had double the amount of plays run on this defense, and they were holding tight, holding steady. And so I, I think they did well. I mean, there's two moments that you can look at and go, eh, could have done a little bit better. But ultimately, that didn't lose us the game in any stretch of the imagination. No, absolutely so. And if it wasn't for this defense, you know, keeping us in the game and giving us the ball with great field position, this could have easily gotten out of hand, which would have been very disappointing. So the defense, they came to play. And, man, like, when we had, I, I want to say it was like three turnovers in the first quarter. That's insane. Like, where we're forcing fumbles left and right and uh, just getting in the backfield. You know, I was saying beforehand that Trask was a one-trick pony, very one-dimensional. And all we needed to do was get in his face. And in all honesty, that, that worked for the most part. You know, we played bump on the wide receivers where we didn't let them get a lot and covered tight for man in most cases. It, in all honesty, the the blown plays, I know I keep bringing this up, but you can't blame the defense on those because if you look at the way the play was drawn up, it was honestly really, really well coached. Like both of them produced mismatches. And it's just... You know, it, it it's a, a good coaching. <laughs> like, yeah. the, the defense played lights out. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you, you can't, if anyone comes out of this griping about what this defense did, uh, they didn't watch the game at all uh, because they, they played well. Steele drew up the blitzes appropriately when he needed to and got to the quarterback. Like, they were constantly pressuring the quarterback whenever he would have more than a uh, three-step drop 
with a four-man rush. And even still, going back all the way to that first play that Swain would score on, you look at that, and Christian Tutt was about two steps from having Kyle Trask down for a sack. And so I, I think looking at this, defense is going to, if they keep chugging at this rate, they're going to be perfectly fine. I actually thought the secondary did better than we've seen them all year play. No, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, if you look at a couple of guys, you know, they were picking on Iggy and Igbenagi, very, very fast player, very good. He got granted a couple uh, pass interference calls, which, you know, in some cases may or may have not. I'm not going to say anything against the refs because I felt like they did fairly well in this game. Uh, He played lights out, though. You know, regardless of if he's getting called for penalties or not, he was on his man, uh, didn't get beat very often. Same with Javaris Davis. Like, not only was he, you know, up in the thick of things, but also in the backfield, too, as a cornerback for a tackle for loss. And, you know, the guys, cornerback and safety, just played so well. And, you know, that was one of the areas that, in all honesty, if we were going to get beat, it was going to be in that. And besides the one missed safety tackle, the guys, they were stout. Yeah, I thought Jarvis Davis especially picked it up because he's been the one I have silently in my armchair quarterback, armchair coach studio have griped about Mm -hmm. the most because he's he seems lost in coverage at times, but he was locked down exactly where you need him to be at all times this week. And I thought even even Iggy with his his DPIs, I thought he did well to bounce back because they kept picking on him after that. And he had some yards gained on him, but ultimately I think the whole defensive uh, backcourt did very well to shut them down for the most part. They weren't moving the ball with any ease whatsoever. Yeah, and I think Iggy had to pick up number 84, which is their tight end, uh, at Florida quite a few times, and that's a huge mismatch because that guy's huge, and Igmanogany's not. And uh, they played their tight end like a wide receiver in most cases, and so we had to match up with him the same way. And, uh, you know, I was watching some pregame analysis, and a lot of guys said we had no answer for that, and Iggy still performed very well, even against a guy that kind of dwarfed him in comparison. And, uh, you know, even though we had some mismatches just because of, you know, five wide with some very good receivers on Florida's team, like we held strong. The, the front seven held strong. And, you know, you want to talk about holding, gosh, there was a lot of guys being held and yet we still got so much pressure and so many tackles in the backfield. Uh, it, it it was astounding at me that there wasn't more flags thrown for that, in all honesty. Yeah, Trask got to know that defensive line very well and got to know quite a few players very well yesterday, yesterday while he was playing. So, yeah, I just hats off to this defense. I, I was talking to Peter about it. We're watching a very special front seven, and I don't think it's a front seven that comes around – all the time. So I, I think Auburn fans really need to take a step back and appreciate just the dominance that they have right now, both with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and big cat and even players like TD Moultrie, Newkirk, all of them, like just doing such a great job of getting in there and playing at a high level. For sure. Like uh, no complaints at all for the defense in this game. Like fantastic job all around. Uh, could not ask for more. And, I almost feel a little bad for them, but they uh, they played their hearts out. 
and they kept us in this game, and you know it was close to the end because of those guys. Uh, last facet of the game that we need to touch on is special teams, and you know it. We had some really really highlights in special teams, then we had one odd odd low light, <laughs> and so we'll go over that real quick. Uh, I'm gonna start with the uh, the kick returns and punt returns, and then we'll end with uh, with Anders on that. Uh, kick returns, we didn't allow a single one, which was great. So Anders kept putting them out. Uh, we ran one back for 22 yards. Uh, so Iggy still tried to perform well. Punt returns didn't allow a single punt return, which that right there is just a testament to the way Australian Aaron's kicking this thing. Uh, kicking it high, letting our guys get ready and get in coverage. And he definitely changed the field quite a few times. He averaged uh, 40 yards, which... You know, take it as you will, but I, I'd say that's pretty consistent at least. Uh, long of 47, and had to punt eight times. And to not allow a single return on eight punts, that's that's pretty special. And then the uh, last thing that we have to touch on was just a, a weird play. So one of my players to watch in this game was Christian Tut because I just, I know he was going to break one, and I was really hoping it was going to be against Florida. And instead, he had that, that one weird uh, area where... The punt came, and he was telling everyone, you know, get out of the way. And then it bounced straight at him and went through his legs. And he touched it and then turned to run around and get it, and no one could find it. And it was uh, a turnover <laughs> right on, like, the five-yard line. And uh, it watching that, and, you know, after that, he learned very quickly, you know, either run away or something. But it was just uncharacteristic for me watching the way that special teams, especially on punt returns and Christian Tut played. Like, how are you feeling on that side of the ball? I I don't know. Our our special teams was a real big highlight last year. And I thought we're, we're bringing back the same players. We're really talented in that area. And I don't know if it – is Larry Porter still working exclusively with special teams now that he's tied in coach and all that, or – has he moved to strictly like tied in and some other things? Do you know? Uh, I haven't heard of any changes. Yeah. Um, not that I'm aware of. It, it just seems weird to take a step back in there. And it seems like we've struggled catching punts this year at times. And it, I, I don't know. It, it's been really odd because we're not getting, we're not dialing up the pressure on punts anymore or even getting to, I don't think we'll ever block kicks the way we did last year but it Mm -hmm. just seems like we've taken a weird step back and not as big of an emphasis as almost you know special teams wins games sometimes especially in these close ones Uh, big special teams plays can make the difference and so I think I would like to see a a lot more emphasis placed on just making big plays on that special teams Uh, it wasn't awful but it wasn't great I mean the tut thing was weird Uh, I guarantee that never happens to him again Yep. But, but it, I would just like to see us really go after some punts, have a little swagger in the special teams department like we did last year. Yeah, and I love Christian Tut. He's played lights out on special teams all year. He played lights out on defense in this game. Uh, he even <laughs> recorded a sack, which I thought was great. And then he had to go right after that and recover a punt. And uh, it it was just a, an odd play from a really, really fantastic player. And uh, unfortunate that it happened in this game, but the defense came up right after that and got the ball back. So can't really complain too much about it, uh, even though it was a momentum swing right there. Uh, Most positive thing on the day, though, 
for special teams was Anders Carlson. Uh, not only did he, you know, kick the lights out of the ball every single time he had a kickoff, but also uh, had two really solid field goals, one from 48 yards and one from 39. And in all honesty, that first one where it was 48 yards and uh, it was our first attempt to get points on the board, I was, one, thinking, why are we putting Anders in a difficult situation in this type of environment? And two, I was thinking, you know, how cool is Wes Byram? And are we going to have a day where Anders Carlson, you know, comes in and, and does what Wes did uh, a few years ago? And man, that 48 yarder, he drilled it. It was perfect. And yeah. uh, can we say anything, you know, against Anders? I don't think so, man. This was a lights out performance. Yeah. I mean, especially going from last year, this year, uh, he's not being put in many difficult scenarios as he was last year but he's doing a real good job and you feel like he put a lot of work in his craft during the offseason so you you know just hats off to to Anders and just be in the bookstore because he's doing really good he is (laughs) he he is earning his legacy outside of his brother's shadow there Auburn Uh, I do get nervous so every time they talk about the extra point streak that we're on and the field goal streaks that we're on because I believe in the commentator's curse. I believe there's going to be one of those that they make that stupid comment and we dink it off the pole and it's just going to be real annoying. So hopefully it's on CBS. so I can hate tweet them. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, my gosh, we have had so many extra points. That's incredible. And uh, gosh, the, the only thing I think that I could have wanted more from Anders was just a couple more attempts where we had the ball in our own side of the field and, or in kicking range, and then uh, ran it back to our own side. So uh, d- difficult on the offensive production, but you know Anders, I think even if we had put him uh, at the 50-yard line, probably could have nailed those and uh, just had a fantastic day. I mean, re- true question, though. Does the Carlson family have another brother? Because we're going to be really struggling here in two years. I don't think our people are going to know who kicks for Auburn anymore if it's not a Carlson brother. No, that's a uh, that's a good point, and I do not think so. Big, so big yikes! Uh, everyone, keep on Boom Tracker to see who we get as a punter in a few years, because my gosh, uh, big 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 shoes to fill there, and we don't need to be like the other side of the state who you know can't kick a twenty yard field goal. All right, Drew. So uh, man, I I one appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I know it's always tough doing one of these after loss, but you know, we got to be here for the Auburn family and console. Um, I think we've done a fairly okay job, and everyone can let us know. <laughs> uh, before we go, closing thoughts from you, man. Anything else on this game? Uh, Dallas Ham never allowed to do a a no huddle ever again <laughs> because obviously something happened there. He messed with the juju, and you never mess with the juju. Oh, uh, but Dallas no. did such a good job, though. Yeah, I mean, we love Dallas. Great addition yep. to the E2C network, but got to give him a little heck over that. I, no, for sure. I, I think I think if you had told Auburn fans in the offseason, we'd be 5-1 and one at this point. You would have probably thought the loss was to Oregon or someone else, but 5-1, and one, I, I think everyone would be like, okay, we'll take that. Freshman quarterback, where we're at. Uh, I just, my closing thought is I want people to take a step back and realize where we're at uh, before we start calling for people's heads and calling for jobs and calling for Joey Gatewood and calling for whoever else you want, whether you're a Cord Sandberg fan, 
I only know one of those, and he belongs at the E2C network. But anyway, whoever you're calling for, whoever you want fired, whatever you want done, take a step back and realize we're 5-1. and one. Uh, We're in a good spot. We've had a good season so far. We dropped a game away to an SEC foe that we don't play often. So none of our players have played in that environment, except for Jeff Driscoll. So my, my closing thought, comment, anything, is just to take a breath, relax, and realize that we're an everything school. So that means we're really good at everything now. We're not just a football school. No, that's a, that's a good point. Definitely, you know, look around at all that Auburn has accomplished here recently. And especially, you know, with a true freshman quarterback in this type of situation, the way that Gus's play calling has really rejuvenated a lot of the offense besides, you know, some woes that we had in this game. Holistically, it's it's been a fantastic season so far. And uh, I guess one more shout out for A.J. Richardson, and this just goes to show that, uh, you know, when we do preseason games, I just need to convince A.J. that we're going to win every game because he called this one uh, way out a few months ago. So uh, one thing to note on that, though, he did say that we're going to beat LSU. So uh, we'll see how that goes down in a few weeks, man. Uh, I'm, uh, I am not looking ahead, but anticipating that matchup. And, you know, the last thing, uh, we may have lost this game, and it may have been sloppy, but it was a top 10 team, both being in the top 10, top 10 matchup. And you know what? We still control our destiny. And if we can learn from this, it seems like most Auburn teams have to have one slip up where we can then regroup. We have a bye week this coming up week to do just that, refocus on the back half of the season, and then come out and hit teams in the mouth. And you, Let me take you to a time machine real quick and see if you remember this. Yep. Uh, 2013, uh, won Gus Malzahn's first year. Mm-hmm. Did you? Re- I mean, did you realize that we are sitting at the same week we dropped the LSU game? Uh, I did not was, realize that. This is this. Uh, I think it was either this week or the next week where we dropped the LSU game, and we remember what happened there. Yeah. Uh, I think, and it, I believe a bye week was the next week. I'm pretty sure. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I may be stretching my luck on that memory. But, I'm going to say you're right. But, I, but I'm pretty sure that right now we're – I know it was this first to second week of October where we lost to LSU, and we all know how that season turned out. We went on a magical run. I'm not saying we're on a magical run, but this team kind of took it on the chin, woke up, and played. And, I mean, I would think that would be the hope for this team as well is we got a magical defense, and if the offense can match it, Sky's the limit. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I can't say it any better myself. So with that, man, everyone, you know, calm down. Remember 2013. It's going to be okay. We control our own destiny. And uh, like Drew said, there's magic on that defense. So have faith, have trust, stay on the bus, and uh, we're going to get this thing done. Should be all right. All right, Drew. Um, where can the fans find you on social media, man? You can find me at Drew underscore hoop zero two. And that's where you find me on the Twitter. And you know what? Everyone just be thankful Dan Mullen's not your coach. So that's all <laughs> I got to add to that. No, that's so true. And uh, you guys can listen to Drew and Peter on stoppage time. So definitely be sure to go check that out. Uh, the European football, if you will. Uh, ladies soccer, we're, uh, we're definitely kicking teams really well right now. You can find me anywhere on social media at B-E-N-K-1-N-G. 
on Saturdays at Captain Plainsman. And if you have any complaints, shoot them over to TMAD34 on Twitter. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?